exactly. All right. Well, it's uh, it's good to be back in the in the book of First Timothy. I um, I do appreciate all of y'all showing up today because I get a bonus based on the number of folks. Um, so we've had a good showing today. Also, it looks good to, to Mike and Meredith that so many people came on one day. Um, so, but I, in all seriousness, when I look out and see y'all uh, individually, it is a blessing. Uh, it is an absolute blessing to see. I was back there when Meredith mentioned about seeing some new faces or seeing old faces and seeing new faces. I was looking to see maybe who she didn't know or the Renaults didn't know, and I would be willing to bet it's a solid third of this class um, that are maybe new faces uh, to, to them. So it's a, it's a blessing. Um, you know, you all will grow this ministry. You all will grow uh, this fellowship and this and this body through through sharing. So I, I definitely. Am, am blessed um, by the numbers we have to, today. So, you know, the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, we bought a, probably can't tell by looking at me, but we bought a piece of exercise equipment. Um, <laughs> why is everybody laughing? You laughed really loud. La- oh, it's, it's not instant? It doesn't just happen? Oh, okay. And the exercise, in my opinion, was putting it together. Uh, so it was pretty tricky how they worked that out. But, so... <laughs> I don't know if Michelle remembers this. There's like 40 pages. Like, I went, you know, I looked at the thing and I was like, oh my. You know, there was like all these, you know, bolts and nuts and washers and, you know, it came in three boxes and it was just like, ah, you know. But the instructions were actually pretty straightforward and they gave us just do this step. And then just do this step. It was very clear. If you just do this step first, and as a, as a good man, I tried to get ahead of the instructions, and that didn't, you know, I had to undo, I think, one thing is all. So, you know, it's like, oh, this must go on here. And it's like, well, but you need to wait until this. So, you know, just clear lines, clear communication is pretty important. And Paul does that to Timothy here in First in Timothy uh, chapter 4. Uh, we'll pick it up in verse 6. But like a good job description, if you get hired on, you start a new job, you want to know what the job is. Now, almost every job description I've ever seen says has, has other duties as assigned. But you want to know what you're going to be spending your time doing. Like if, if you don't know how to cook and you show up at a restaurant and they've hired you to be a chef, that's a problem. Right. Inversely, if they've if you've if you've gone on, got on with the auto dealer and you're a salesperson but they've hired you to be in their service department, that's a problem. So a job description's pretty important. So if thou put uh, the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast attained, but refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Uh, I thought I could make a smooth transition. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Having promise, promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. These things command and teach. Literally, 
Paul is laying out the job description of the good minister to Timothy. It's in black and white. Okay, you may look at this and say, that's like a 40-page instruction manual. That's a lot to take in. But if you just do them, at the end of it, you'll have this piece of exercise equipment, I guess. So the first thing, and, and we'll need to back up a, a one, I think, uh, is, is our first discipleship decision out of the day. Do you want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ? You need to answer that question this morning. There's two facets to the question. Do you want to be a minister of Jesus Christ, and do you want to be a good minister? Like, I, it would, I think it would probably, it would surprise me to some degree if you said, I want to be a minister, but I just kind of want to stink at it. Right? So Paul is being very clear to Timothy, these are the things you need to do to be a good minister. Or at least some of the things that you need to do to be a good minister. So if you could advance a pass. So what I did to the next one is this good minister of Jesus Christ. These are the six things. Put the brethren in remembrance. In, in remembrance nourished up in the words of faith and good doctrine. Refusing profane and old wise fables. Exercising thyself rather unto godliness, trust in the living God, command and teach. So those are our six points today. That's what a good minister does. Actually, are you just going off the keyboard? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't mind. Just that way, I don't have to keep referencing that. On this. Uh, thank you. So these are the six steps. These are the six. Um, I guess I'll call them uh, job descriptions. The the instruction pages on being a good minister. Now we'll. You don't have any fill in the blanks on those. They're already on your on your page. But we're going to go through those in the time we have remaining. So reminding the brethren. Now this may seem like a pretty straightforward concept, but I can't remind you of something new. Right. That's teaching, and we'll get to that later. But reminding the brethren is a really important job of a good minister. And I will tell you, I have been reminded as much on things from the pulpit or the teaching uh, platform as I have in my personal study, as I have in the hallways and the stairwells and the lobby of MBT where somebody will say, well, I'm, I, I'm praying for you. Don't forget to, you know, don't forget to minister. Don't forget to share your faith. You know, I, I, uh, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to have dinner. It was, a, it was kind of an awkward situation. It was a guy I hadn't, hadn't connected with. We went to college together. We were pretty close. I had invited him. We were uh, fraternity brothers. I invited him to church. He had attended a few times. And I was invited to dinner with him and his husband. I had not had that experience before. And I was seeking some counsel from some brothers in Christ that I trust on how I should approach dinner, right? And approach that time. And I will never forget, until I forget, the, the pastor <laughs> looked at me and he said, just share Christ. Yep. Just reflect Christ. Just share Christ. And so we need to be reminded of those. Like, if I didn't know what he meant by, like, I knew what he meant by that when he told me that. Just share Christ. I, I, he was reminding me of something I already knew that I needed to bring back up. And it's interesting because the, the Greek word here, reminder or remembrance, means to put under or lay it down. It's actually echoing to the concept of a foundational premise. It's like, don't forget the basement when you build a house, or don't forget the foundation when you build the house. Like, focus, rem remember the basics. 
it's, it's pretty interesting. It's, it's this concept of reinforcing the fundamentals. In Isaiah 28, Isaiah 28, whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Then them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. That is the process of learning. Now consider it in light of Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. For when the time... Ye ought to be teachers. So this is someone who understands things. This is the things. This is someone who has been through discipleship. This is someone who's growing. You need to be a teacher, yet ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as need um, such as need of milk have need of milk and not of strong milk. <coughs> so there is a component that is a responsibility of a minister to simply remind the foundational or fundamental principles. If you attend this class, you attend this fellowship, you attend a Bible study, you attend LFBI or whatever it is to get the latest new nugget, you will not, I would argue, you will not live a fruitful Christian life. What you need to be doing in those is getting the fundamentals down. There was a guy years ago, R.A. Torrey, if I'm not mistaken, wrote a book called, or actually wrote a series of pamphlets called The Fundamentals. And then eventually they were compiled. They were kind of Sunday school little pamphlets. I mean, I'm talking maybe late 1800s, early 1900s. They became a book called The Fundamentals, and that's actually where the term fundamentalist comes from because these are people who don't feel the need to leave the basic things of Scripture, the basic things of the relationship of God. It's, we, can, we can really get ourselves balled around the axle if we're always looking for the new thing. Right. And I know I've said this a few times, but it's really, it's really my heart. If, you, if you're watching people online, if you're uh, seeking these national pastors types who are trying to bring a new angle to something, be careful. Right. Just be careful. I mean, that's literally insulting to the Holy Spirit who's taught people through the generations that all of a sudden now in the year 2021, now God's going to show this guy this wisdom that has never been seen before. Careful. That's good. That's right. So when we remind the brethren, we're really talking about what's the, the fundamental, that, that which is underneath the, but, but notice, and, and, and again, you've got some fill in the blanks here, but these are the things that at a very high level that we're charged to remember or bring into our remembrance. Lot's wife, like, that's a pretty good lesson. We ought not to forget. You know, don't turn back and look at the world just to keep your eyes fixed on Christ, right? Christ's sacrifice, don't forget that. Christ's words, or in other places, what he said, so that's the same concept. concept. What was written of Christ, Paul's warnings to the church, Paul's ways in Christ. Paul himself, he's like, remember me. We ought to remember the brethren, right? We did that in our prayer for those in India. The poor, we need to remember the poor. That isn't just physical, but that's also spiritual. What you were, your former days, you need to remember what it was like before Christ. I was having this conversation not too long ago. I've been saved for a while now. I've been saved, I'm, I was 88, so you guys, somebody do the math. It was October of 88, I got saved. And 
I still remember a few things from my life, my life before Christ. And one of the things I remember was falling asleep concerned every night or virtually every night. Sometimes I was too tired from working. I just fell asleep. But, but I just had a, just kind of a fear, just a worry about me that I don't have anymore. That literally is gone. That there's things I think we need to remember about our former life what we were before Christ that helps propel us forward. Uh, we need to remember others. We need to remember Paul's bonds or them in bonds. Again, brothers and sisters that are going through persecution, your work of faith, labor and travail. Just remember us. Just remember Living Faith Boston. Like remember what people are doing for the Lord. And then last, but certainly not least, Jesus was raised from the dead. Like we need to remember that. I know, I know that's like, well, duh, Mitch, I know that. But do you remember it? Right. right? When, you're, when you're maybe a little bit apprehensive about sharing your faith or, or not sure if the person that's challenging you about, about their perspective of their, you know, the, their worldview, it's like, well, you know, my God conquered death. What'd yours do? You know? Yeah. I did the math. It was 33 years. 33 years? Thank you. I, I, I need to be a little clearer. I didn't actually want you to do the math. Because <laughs> it was weird how I got saved four years before I was born. Um, so we need to remind the brethren. But for the sake of time, we got to keep moving forward. We need to find nourishment in the Word. Now, it's interesting... Don't just eat the word, but find nourishment from the word, right? The word is not to feed, but to take nourishment from. Like we can feed. I, I, I heard, I was watching a national, I'm a dork. I was watching National Geographic TV one time, and they were talking about the big <laughs> buffalo in Yellowstone during the winter. And I didn't realize buffalo, you know, they've got the really big head and kind of a weird back end you know and i don't know if you have you ever seen a buffalo eat in snow have you ever seen it it's a really amazing thing they literally go side to side that's why they're so strong in the front and their head and they move the snow out of the way so they can get down to the grass it's really interesting i had i you know so i i thought it was i remembered it it was interesting and they said all to get down to eat grass that has the same nourishment as a piece of cardboard, because at that point, the grass doesn't have nutrients, it's just roughage for them. And I thought, wow, that's like, that's weird that they would expend all of this energy to eat something that had no nutritional value. And there's a lesson there. Like, we expend a lot of energy, YouTube, we expend a lot of energy <laughs> to take things in that have no nutritional value. Amen. Right? Spiritually. We need to be able to feed ourselves as good ministers. And folks, when I talk about a good minister, I don't just mean those of us who have an opportunity to stand up here on Sunday mornings. This applies to all of us. You need to be able to take nourishment from the word. This church has a series of steps, path to spiritual growth, that can enable you to be able to sit down and not just read scripture and glean some off of the top, but actually understand the depth of scripture. I guarantee you every one of us in this room has a next step in our spiritual walk and our understanding of the word. Now, again, I'm not talking some new thing. 
I'm just talking about the, prox- the, the, the closeness, the proximity to God and his word. You need to be able to feed yourself, not just to grow fat, but to be nourished and turn food into action. Mm-hmm. Turn food into action. Colossians 2, 19 And not holding the head from which all the body uh, by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. That literally, this, this nourishment and increase that he's talking about is literally the concept of getting spiritual nutrition and being able to function and grow. Some kids have and I mean like babies, have a condition that they've kind of lumped in. I'm sure there's more scientific names for it, but failure to thrive. Their body simply doesn't take the milk that, that they get from the mother or if it's a, um, what's the other, formula, uh, and they cannot turn it into something that it sustains them. Have you ever, like, I open up a, a bag of dog food and I am amazed that it doesn't look like a dog but it keeps my dog alive. Like, how does that work? And when she was a puppy, I didn't like put more dog in her. I gave her food and her body took, I know it's a bad example, but her body (laughs) took the food and turned it into more dog. She got bigger, right? It reminds me of a joke. The best invention God ever made was was the pig because it turns slop into bacon. So I don't know how it does it, but it does it. Okay? And we have to take the things in scripture and take them in, but turn them into nourishment so that we can act on it. Like literally, shame on you if God shows you something and then you don't like, oh wow, I really should have shared that with Brian Bustos. Man, that was good and then not share it with Brian? Because Brian just talked about, I, I don't know how many times I've done it in with people that I can look at right now, across, where God has shown me something in my, my reading of scripture, and then we meet for breakfast or lunch or whatever, and it's like, I now need to give that to you. And if I don't give it to you, shame on me. Shame on me. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. We want, we want spiritual children. We want to see, that's why we didn't just pray for evangelism, but we prayed for our disciples. Right? We see a, a babe in Christ born. We now need to take care of them and get them to a point where they can feed themselves which is just a really, really big deal in the life of a family. When a kid can, uh, it it changes dinner time dynamically. I mean, drastically. When the kid goes from needing you to feed them to eating themselves, not they don't eat themselves. Some of you are thinking that. The little ones do that. They're like, oh, look, a toe. Uh, But it's not that. It's that they can feed themselves. They desire the milk of the word. They grow, and, and then they can feed themselves. So next, rejecting falsehoods. This was clearly a problem for Timothy in both 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus to overcome. I don't mean it was a problem for them personally. It was a problem they had to overcome. Sam even hit on it today. You know, these people, these wolves that are coming in. It's an interesting how people want to come into this body and feel like they want a platform 
to to just inject their truth. Well, you can go down the corner and share your truth. Like right. here, this truth is what we're proclaiming. Like, you know, have a great day. If you feel like you need to share your weird doctrine, there's all sorts of people out there that'll, that'll listen. Like you don't get a platform here. We have to reject falsehoods. In 1 Timothy 4, don't give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which create questions rather than godly edifying, Amen. right? 1 Timothy 6.20, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babbling, babblings. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 16, shun profane and vain babblings. And 23, in verse 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Literally, he's... Paul is telling Timothy, you don't have to get down in the in the mire with that pit or with that pig. You don't have to you don't have to mud wrestle with them. Just avoid it. And it's not like avoid it. It's like we don't do that here. Right. Second Timothy four, three through five, for the come will, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap unto them teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou, so hey minister, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. And then shifting to Titus, the, the witness is true. Some, right, they give heed to, um, to uh, Jewish fables and commandments of, 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 of men and, and all these things, right? Um, they, they, these are problems that can eke their way into the church. Avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law. They are unprofitable. There's all sorts of problems that happen when you allow falsehoods in. Okay? When you allow falsehoods in. And then exercising unto godliness. Now, this one was kind of interesting. So there's two real other references. There's three, but it's kind of like exercising themselves unto, unto ungodliness. But, but I wanted to, to communicate these. There's folks that, ha- that but strong meat belong to them that are full of full age, right? Those that have grown up. Even those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised. They've actually developed. They know how to discern a situation. To discern good and evil, no chastening, no now, uh, no now chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised. So even the process of being disciplined can make you stronger, right? That's the concept of exercise. So this is the part that just gets a little weird, and I don't know how to address it other than to embrace the awkward, as I shared with you all a few weeks ago. The Greek word exercise here is gymnazo, which makes sense because I've been in a gymnasium. The problem with the Greek word gymnazo is it literally means to exercise naked. (laughs) I am not endorsing exercising naked, okay? The root word of gymnazo literally means naked. You can there's like there's no mistaking this concept of nakedness associated with getting stronger. Okay? So we're gonna embrace the awkward for a moment, but notice it means to to be naked, bare, or laid open. 
and it's you know you may remember that the original Olympics, like way back, a couple thousand years ago or whatever, the people, the men, competed naked. Awkward. <laughs> Women were not allowed to attend the games. There's other details that eke to Sam's discussion of circumcision today, which we won't go into. But you, there's there's more learnings out there if you seek to learn about the early uh, early Olympics. But what's interesting, and I want to read. There were no shame in dropping out before the games. Athletes who dropped out during the actual games, however, were humiliated. There's a story of one huge wrestler showing up for training. And as soon as he took his clothes off, all the other athletes dropped out because they all knew they couldn't beat him. Now, this isn't, this isn't meant to be like awkward. It's like the dude is a human specimen of physique, strength, there's now nothing for me to filter my evaluation of him other than his ability, other than his strength, and I'm out. Um, in ancient times, athletes practiced in the nude to the accompaniment of music. Again, you don't need to like try to put that in your head. <laughs> and no one articulates the meaning of the ancient nude athletic body than the historian Donald Kyle, who wrote in his book called The Sport and Spectacle of the Ancient World, which I think is hilarious, The Spectacle of the Ancient World. In archaic Greece, disrobing fully to become naked for sport became an assertive communication of maleness, ethnicity, status, freedom, privilege and physical virtue literally they were sending a message by their their the presence of their bodies right and the way that they had had prepared and when you have nothing in front of you when there's no uniform or a toga i don't know why a toga is in my head i guess toga toga like i don't know why but if there's nothing to to filter that vision when you now look at the dude next to you running and you're like, I can't beat him. Or you look at the wrestler and you're like, he's bigger than me. He's going to beat me. I'm out. Literally, the exact same thing is what Paul is telling Timothy spiritually. Lay yourself open before the Lord. Look at this. Look at the, the illustration that I believe Paul uses in second or in uh, Hebrews 12. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Literally, get spiritually naked, pull all the stuff back, and stand before God with no covering... That's the point at which you'll grow. That's the point at which you'll get stronger. Or you'll be embarrassed, I don't know. And I both I mean that both physically and, and spiritually. David wouldn't go to war with Saul's armor. He would have rather been, quote, more naked yes. than to go with Saul's yes, armor. Yes. Right? <laughs> I went fishing with a with a guy in Montana when we lived there. He was sixteen years old. I couldn't go because I didn't have an out of state fishing license, so I just watched him. And we literally went on a world-class trout stream. 
There were cars with license plates from all over the country. There were people in full outfits, you know, the the fly fishing outfits and the waders and all the stuff and really nice cars. And I walked in with this kid who had a fanny pack, a floppy hat, and a rod and a reel. And that dude, because he knew how to do it, kept yanking fish out. And these other guys that had spent thousands of dollars are just literally, their jaw is agape. I mean, they're just like, because this kid knew how to throw a fly to where it would land and the, and the fish would bite. Mm-hmm. He didn't need all the stuff, right? Right. So this brings us to five, trusting in the living God. Trust produces deliverance and salvation according to Psalm 37. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them. Why? Because they trust in him. It'll bring fruit bearing. I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever. A green olive tree. I produce, right? I'm fruit bearing. Blessing. Uh, The Lord, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. It also produces true confidence. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Strength. Is it? No, it's okay. I thought maybe it was mine for a second. Uh, strength, Isaiah 12, uh, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song and hope. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. And that brings us to our last point, commanding and teaching. The shepherd needs the reminder to command and teach. Again, we see this specifically in First and Second Timothy, as well as the book of Titus, what they often will call the pastoral epistles. But I would argue that maybe they should be called the shepherd epistles because they do, in fact, apply to more than pastors. But these things teach and exhort. Preach the word. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. And this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which believe in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. And last time I checked, we all have the Great Commission, which a huge part of is teaching. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe. Literally, that's y'all's job as much as it is mine. So we've all been commanded to do all six of these things. They literally apply in different aspects to all of our lives. So this brings us in in the bookend to our first discipleship decision to our second. Will you do what is necessary to become a good minister? Will you do what you need to do, not just to get the name, name tag, But will you do what's necessary to be identified as a good minister? It's going to take work. It's going to be a little awkward because you're going to be laid bare before the Lord. It's going to be going over things 50 times even though you've already gone over them and you still don't quite have it down. You know, it's going to be the fundamentals. It's going to making sure that the basic things are down in your life. That's how how you become and execute as a good minister. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the word. We thank you for the plainness of how Paul is challenging Timothy, a young man, to to have authority in his church. There's no doubt about that. But he lays an incredibly clear pattern for us 
to be good ministers to each other. And Lord, grow us up to where we can get nourishment from from the word. Grow us up to where we can clearly identify falsehoods and we can reject them. Grow us up to where we can focus on the, the fundamentals as compared to feeling like we need to always be finding the nugget of truth. Lord, you know that so many of the men that I have been taught by or rubbed elbows with that have constantly felt like they need to bring some new thing to the table. I don't even know what they're doing. I don't even know that they're serving you, Lord. Lord, help us to make sure that we got the fundamentals down. Help us to make sure that we're good in communicating and and reminding and, and teaching and commanding these things. Lord, we trust you. We know that in you is... In you is confidence. In you, in trust in you, uh, we have hope and fruit bearing. Thank you uh, for the plainness of the lesson, at least to me, Lord. I don't know if I got in the way. I pray I didn't. But, Lord, thank you for the plainness. And, and Lord, I just ask that you help us to apply these things uh, so that we can be good ministers to each other and to the rest of our body, both in this geography and other places around the country and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.